0: It's 1993, and you've just put a disc into your computer system, one of the first disc-based games to exist, and you're ready for this beautiful, story-driven experience. But first, wait, what am I supposed to, no, hang on, what is, do I go over, Ugh, let me get a pad of paper. We're talking about Mist. Welcome back, everybody. Miles, how you doing today, brother? Not too
1: bad. So, like you said, we're talking about Mist this week for the last episode of our second chances month for, for June, even though it's July 1st. I gotta know what, what made you want to revisit Mist?
0: So I I'll be honest, I never owned Mist back in the day. Oh really? I knew, I knew a ton of people who did, and I have tried to start it, and I've seen the the very iconic poster of the guy falling <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> onto the island, and and the way that, that looks, and and the the point and click adventure graphics, and I've watched Riven, the sequel to Myst, came out around the same time that a number of other video games were coming out, and I was paying more attention to to video game publishing, but honestly, every time I tried to play that game, it felt impenetrable uh yes and And that was my experience as well and and since then i wanted to to take another look at this because well the last time i tried to play this game i was a teenager i i would like to think that at 35 almost 36 years old when we record this i'm a little smarter i've played a lot more point and click adventure games since then and uh yeah, i I, had, I also had the made the I also
1: had that mindset uh, going back into this game, and um, whew, boy,
0: I regret thinking that. <laughs> yeah. So Before we get into our reactions to Miss, let's talk about the the background of this game. So
1: this is an area that we don't come across that often. We we I think traditionally don't talk about a lot of old PC games, which I would sometime we got to go back to some more games like this because th- that era in PC gaming is really, really fascinating. Um, but, you know, the, this was a time period when, you know, computing was kind of the next level, you know, everyone was looking at, I mean, they still do, but like this, this time period, living this time period is, is so fascinating. I think that's why there's such a nostalgia for it because this was cutting edge stuff. Like this was the coolest
0: thing to come out because it was the coolest thing you could do with the technology at the time. Yeah. So, so when we're talking about this game, we need to talk about, you know, it's 1993, 1994. This is a CD based game. Now we've talked in the past, like Final Fantasy seven and the whole Sony PlayStation being, being the, the changeover to CD based architecture, but it started on computers first you got to understand this time most people didn't have a personal computer mm-hmm. the internet that we know of didn't really exist one of the creators of this game didn't own a computer when they started working on making games yeah it's
1: it's incredible and and you also have to keep in mind because a lot of their resistance was the 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 people they were wanting to work with i think, I think it was Sunsoft they wanted up them to make a console game and the consoles at the time were far far from capable of doing what Miss does so, you gotta think 93 the SNES had only been out for what a year two years
0: uh, something that like that uh, and and Sunsoft is a Japanese video game developer known for uh, the Batman nintendo and super nintendo games based they made off of some the, good batman games based off of the the tim burton movies um they they reported they ported sega games to nintendo so like afterburner very popular sega arcade game got an nes version or snes version because of sunsoft um i i oftentimes get them confused with hudson soft so i'm gonna apologize if i say something that's that's wrong with that, um, Arrow the Acrobat, Blaster See, Master. that's the
1: one I remember the most is Arrow the Acrobat because he was in so many comic book ads <laughs> for 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 that game. So I I, I always uh, I associate uh, Sunsoft with that and some really good side-score beat-em-ups. I think they were the ones responsible for the Death and Return of Superman, which is a really, really fun
0: game. Hmm. Uh, so to flashback to... To missed. We have Rand and Robin Miller, the brothers that founded this company, and they got together back in the late eighties uh, to to try to make video games. And they were they were making games, which oddly neither of them really played video games. They weren't gamers, which is such a funny thing. But they were Dungeons and Dragons players, and so they were interested in making games not based off of Dungeons and Dragons, but that had character choices like things that things that would make it like a character choice you made would make an impact down the line
1: yeah the line that kept coming up when i was uh doing some research on on Rain and robin was they they wanted to make adult oriented games and back then that basically meant not games that you would see at an arcade it does not mean they were necessarily um r-rated or sexual in nature which is what you would think of when you hear adult oriented games now but they just wanted to make something a little bit more mature.
0: Yeah. Games not aimed at children, which right. is funny because their first several games were games aimed at children. <laughs> you
1: got You got to start somewhere.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's it, so what's funny about a lot of the development of this is because, you know, I, I have am an unabashed Mac user. I've been a Mac user my entire life. And the the Miller brothers started work. On Macs, and the thing that they used to make a lot of their early games was a a piece of software called HyperCard. Now, HyperCard is maybe a name that you've heard in the past. Uh, it, it's <laughs> it's really funny because basically, what HyperCard is is like half software development platform, half presentation software. I remember back yeah. in in elementary school, we had to use in our Mac LC two lab in in school. We had to use HyperCard to make presentations, but because of that, <laughs> you, could, you could but you could have branching choices. So you might have a card that had two links, and if you clicked on the top one, it would take you to this stack of cards. If it went to the bottom one, it would take you to this stack of cards. Basically, it's it's what, <laughs> quite frankly, a lot of 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 Choose your own adventure kind of stuff or, or, or point and click adventures were based off of back then. Um, and it was so surprised to me to find out that one of the most popular pieces of, of PC gaming software was a Mac exclusive for a year and started out on that platform before ever getting ported to Windows, which is just so funny for me in 2020 to talk about. <laughs>
1: I, I don't. I don't get quite the 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 thrill that that you get out of it, but uh, it, it is definitely an interesting piece of trivia. And I mean, most of this development was spent making the puzzles. Uh, they spent several several months making the puzzles and ba- basically saying that the story was secondary. They wanted to make sure all the puzzles worked, and that the challenge that they wanted to create, the world they wanted to create, came first and foremost. Which is, uh, I mean, definitely a different experience than we're used to hearing now.
0: Well, and they also didn't want anything to stand in the way of those puzzles. So the way they designed the game, as and this is further down the list, they they wanted the they didn't want to have an inventory screen. They didn't want to have uh, these these things that were any kind of overlay to take you out of the game world. They wanted everything from a first person perspective for you to be walking around and doing things. And some of that I think is very effective. And some of that playing again in 2020 is astronomically frustrating. <laughs> well, I think
1: before we kind of hop into this, this experience, um, I, I have to agree with uh, Newsweek in their review of this game, where they compared Mist to an art film destined to gather critical acclaim and then dust on the shelves
0: which is very funny because. that they would say that because so they they made this game they released it in 1993 on the Mac and they expected oh if we if we make 100 if we sell 100,000 copies we'll be good well in the first 6 months they sold 200,000 copies on yeah, the this, on the Mac this game's a smash <laughs> hit at the time i mean yeah like you were
1: said like 200,000 copies on the Mac which it, is it's, it's pretty mind-blowing.
0: <laughs> it, it, it was then ported to Windows with a team two or three times the size of the team that made the game in the first place. It then sells millions and millions of copies. It was, in fact, the best-selling PC game until 2002. So 1994 to 2002, mist is number one. Would you like to know which game unseated it, Miles? I would love to. The Sims
1: I believe it that that makes perfect sense because I know I'm, I'm sure that there are some people that might hem and haw at that but you gotta think of to make such a massive hit for the PC and and for something to be a cultural touchstone, I don't really think that anything existed like that between these two games Now there were games that I'm not saying the games didn't have an impact, but to the degree of mist, I think the Sims, is definitely the next the next one to do so until World of Warcraft.
0: So what's funny about this to me and what's interesting, I should say, is that I think that there is something to why this game took off amongst that platform Uh, Because I'm looking at reviews and I'm looking at, you know, different reviews and I'm looking because Myst got ported to everything. It got ported. It's on your phone. It's on it's on every computer. It's on every platform, PC, PS1, Sega Saturn, the 3DO of all things. Uh, And if you look at the reviews, they don't ever do that well on the consoles compared to the computer. I think part of that is a control scheme situation. But I think that when you look at the way that this game works, it is a game where you are there and you're clicking around to solve puzzles. There is no scoring. There is no death. There is no time limit. There's no sudden thing that you have to do really quickly. Uh, it, It is a game that has more mass market appeal outside of gamers, and that's something where I look at The Sims in 2002 and I see something very similar. The Sims is one of those crossover games that a lot of gamers love The Sims, but a lot of people who aren't gamers love The Sims. Everybody's got yeah. a cousin or or an aunt or an uncle or or a sibling that loves The Sims, but that's the only game that they play.
1: Yeah, and what's what's crazy about this, uh, to... to- Really get get a a, uh, a handle on how big of a, a cultural touchstone this game was. This game was so popular that the Miller brothers appeared in advertisements for the Gap. Game developers were in Gap ads. In That's the, how big the this 90s. game was. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> which I can guarantee you they they were and and, and this not men isn't unsold, but I'm sure they were. They were not chic or sexy guys. <laughs> but they know. were in a Gap ad. I I, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I would imagine that you know, and I'm 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 looking at photos back at them. I mean, they're normal looking dudes, but again, not what you consider for a Gap ad. But they were so popular, and it, it's it, honestly until I would say later on the right, like Kojima, it's probably the, the last time you really heard of developers being as well known as their games.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's get into the game itself, because we just need to set up the world a little bit. So this is the the island mist that we find a book in the very opening moments, and we're thumbing through this book, and at the very last page, we get sucked into the world, and we're introduced to this whole new mysterious island where there's a, a sunken boat and a rocket ship and these giant, uh, giant... Gears and a lighthouse and this is not lost this is missed although I could see some comparisons between the two <laughs> and we well, are- the, the,
1: the, you, I love the opening of this because I honestly I know some people just they look back at it with cringe but I kind of love these FMVs from the early 90s mm-hmm. I think they're they're really just I know it's a certain kitsch but I it's one that I'm super super into it just makes me happy. I
0: wish more games still had actors in their FMVs today.
1: Yeah, there are a couple who have tried to bring it back. Um, at, I mean games like Um, Her Story and a there, couple.
0: There was one on families. the Xbox One that was like that. But uh, I've also been playing a lot of Command and Conquer remastered lately, and that's all actors in FMV, and I'm here for it. Uh, yeah. So we we are walking around the island. We find a note from from Catherine to her husband Atris, to go and count this, these number of things on the island, and that will will give you a message. And so that message takes us into the story, and we find out about Cirrus and Ashinar, and I'm probably mispronouncing their names. I'm sorry. Uh, the and and there there are these red books and blue books where the sons appear to be trapped. And why they appear to be trapped, we don't know, because every time they talk, there's like static, old school static that that are preventing us from from getting that whole message until we fill in these gaps, finding these pages all around the island. And uh, this... This is all a, a 3D pre-rendered background island. So we talked a lot about pre-rendered backgrounds when we had our Final Fantasy VII episode. They're all 3D modeled, but they're just still images that have interactable elements to them. And sometimes mm-hmm. these things have full motion video as part of it, much like Final Fantasy had um, a few years later on the PlayStation, and uh, it was funny to see that because I don't know that I remembered that being the case when I talked a lot about how Final Fantasy VII was the first games to do this da 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 when Mist had been doing it for years ahead of this. But
1: well, but Final Fantasy VII was doing it on the consoles and that was a big deal because more people would play I mean, as big as this game was. I would venture to say there were still probably more console gamers.
0: I think that's probably true.
1: So yeah. Well, um, I'm glad that you were able to suss out what was happening at the beginning of this because I largely was not like, I mean, I, I got the opening and I got the, the red book, blue book sort of deal. And then I was kind of just blindly feeling around and th- for well, a couple hours.
0: <laughs> and see, that's part of this game that is a little more impenetrable for me because I said the things that I said because of stuff that I read about this game. I did not figure out much of this stuff. And I'm going to be honest. I did not complete missed this past
1: week. Oh, yeah, I I, couldn't. I should probably. Yeah, I should probably also say Drew's Drew Drew mentioned to me before we started playing that he was going to use a guy to see, you know, if he could get further than he did when he was younger. And I, in my infinite arrogance, said, no, I'm going to try to wing it without a guy. I want to I want to get a pure experience. And I was stupid <laughs> <laughs> because I, I I do. I do really understand the appeal of a game that I mean, because this is back. I And I fully remember this when when you bought the game, it came with basically a diary instead of an instruction manual. The last like 40 pages were for taking notes. And. I understand that that, that you know, they did make guides for Mist, but this was supposed to encourage players to, to take note of their surroundings. And so if you saw numbers there, you needed to write that down as a reminder to yourself, because it might be important later. And spoiler warning, it absolutely will be important
0: later. And, and so this is where I think that my my reaction to this game is different because I I have played a lot of point-and-click adventure games since then. I've played a lot of the Monkey Island games, the Walking Dead game. I have played a number of, of mobile-based point-and-click adventures called The Room and its sequels. Uh, I love those games. Those games are fantastic, flat-out fantastic. But there is a difference, that, and, and as I did research on this game to find out that this was an intentional choice, they didn't want you To have anything that would stand in between you and the experience and have anything to take you out of that experience. So that's why there's not a journal key to open up a journal to look at all the things that you have read. So when you go into the library in Mist for the first time and you have to click through the 40 different books to find the three books that actually have anything of, of importance in them you better be writing that stuff down. And that is such a different experience for me as, as a person and something that I, I feel like I feel like none of the puzzles in this game were too terribly difficult. No,
1: one, the ones that I, I completed once I had understood what I had to do, what was going on, what the puzzle actually was, because some things, I don't know if it's, Uh, a puzzle or window dressing you know because sometimes it is just window dressing
0: yeah there's a lot of window dressing in this game but that's the thing there is there none of these puzzles are are that terribly difficult there's just so much effort that has to go into solving these puzzles and and when i say that what i mean is is so i i ended up getting into the Oh, it's not the mechanical age because this, this game has different maps depending on what oh, age um, of the island you're in. It's the one with the ships. The wooden age, right? Uh, it's it's the one with the ships and the and the lighthouse and the things that are flooded. And you have to figure out, you know, first off you have to to figure out how to unflood things. And so you find the buttons and this unfloods this and this unfloods this and then sun floods that but only one thing can be unflooded at a time. So you unflood the thing and you go and you get to the thing. And then there's no lights. So you have to figure out how to turn the lights on. Okay, so you go and do that. So you figure out how to get the lights on. But And and so now you have you go to this one place. You have to charge these batteries up by just clicking and holding on this thing as this crank turns for what feels like an eternity. It's not an eternity. It's like 30 seconds, but still. And then you have a battery level. But the more you do, the faster that battery goes down. And eventually, the lights will go out again, and that's before you can figure out where you're even supposed to go. Where you when re- this is where the guide came in because there was a secret panel that I had to click on that I never would have ever found because it was too buried into the 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 pre rendered background that I just never would have found. It. I would yeah, to- and,
1: and that, that that's the thing is like when you click on something like that, like the uh, the little panels below like a, a throne or something there's no indication that there would any ever be anything there you kind it, of have to just click around and then it basically it's it's fairly rudimentary by modern standards it basically just takes a square out of that that you see that there's something else behind it
0: yeah so so this is this is again the pu- the puzzle that i needed to figure out that particular one with the with the lighthouse and and turning on the thing i made a mistake i clicked the wrong button and then the entire system shuts down and I have to find my way out in the dark, crank the whole battery up again, go back in there, do it again, failed again, back and forth three or four times until I finally counted which button I need to press. needed to press, because I figured out, oh, I have to press the button that indicates the degree on the thing, and I just did my math wrong because I had to do math in this game. Miles, math. Oh. Yeah, and, and that's the thing.
1: Uh, I do kind of wish that even though we technically had uh, two weeks to really do this, I, I wish that I had given myself much more time to really sit down and, and take this game in in the way it was probably meant to be taken, you know, actually have some notes and everything because like I said, I wanted to have a little bit more of a pure experience because this is what people did. As we said, you know, people took notes, people, you know, Kind of, you know, called their friends and they, you know, worked on puzzles together. I remember working on a couple of puzzles with with some friends back in the day, and we all kind of gave up around the same spot. But you know, this and it's what's interesting is this game's legacy ha, um, is kind of given credit for like basically creating the casual game, which I, I didn't really even take into consideration.
0: The, but the game that you sit down at. Just kind of hang out with, think about a little bit, and then come back to at another point. Just yeah, because outside of the puzzles, I mean, there, yeah, there isn't, there's no lives. There's,
1: I mean, there's a story, but there's no, there's no health bar, there's nothing to fight, there's, there's no points. So all it is is dependent on you and the amount of time that you want to put into it, which on, on that level, I think is. Really, really cool. I kind of wish there were more games like that.
0: Well, there's Riven, the sequel to Miss. There's Miss Three cool. Exile. <laughs> there's there's that whole
1: era. I mean, there's many, many clones, and then games that were similar that came out around the same time, like the Seventh Guess. I love that era of point and click adventure games, and I honestly, maybe in the near future, would love to go back to like an entire month of those kind of games because I grew up playing like the Sierra point and click adventure games, you know, Space Ace and stuff like that. So. I I do have some sort of connection with this time but this game was a little bit it was ahead of its time because you know even even in these older games you when you went down a hallway you clicked forward and the computer would go blank and give you a new area here I mean you have that element but because it's done with such detail and so many different moving parts even though it's point and click, you really feel like there's a fully three dimensional world to explore. Yeah. And that's not a feeling you got from a lot of games at that time.
0: I think this game would be fun to play with another person. Both of you, uh, talk, I, uh, both of you talking about it, th- making notes, remembering things, writing things down, uh, and I,
1: I also have to say that that Drew Drew insisted that we play like the kind of pure version of this game. I wanted to play the real Miss Masterpiece edition that had like the pretty graphics and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I, th- I, I if I'm if I'm correct, it, it kind of takes away some of the point and click aspect of it.
0: It takes away some of the point and click aspect, and also apparently one of the Miller brothers uh, does not they because they make changes based on books and other things that came later so there's a whole extra part of the island there is the story elements that have been changed and updated and and he doesn't like the real mist games they were kind of done without without their input apparently so i found of course i found that out later but you know yeah i i and yeah i mean like you
1: said there was Riven but there was also there was Mist 3 there was Mist 4 there there and then i think uh Uru there was a number of follow-ups to this game
0: yeah uru was um, the was the missed uh multiplayer game which
1: well it was supposed to have multiplayer they they took it out and then they revived that aspect as missed online uru live but I think it was canceled pretty quickly yeah <laughs> but I do like the idea of of kind of having a A cooperative puzzle. I think that's a cool aspect of it. And this is a franchise I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about. It's always been in my peripheral. I remember when Riven came out. I remember when Miss 3 and 4 came out. I remember going to Barnes Noble and seeing those novels, of which there were, I think, three. But after my first experience, and especially being so young, because I was probably about 11 or 12 when I actually first played it, it was not a game that i was ready to play
0: no it's,
1: it's i don't know if it's a game i'm still ready to play
0: <laughs> and see that's that's the thing and that's where that's where as we reflect on this with this challenge i feel bad because i feel like i did it wrong i feel like i wanted to go in and 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 have the missed experience as the second chance and i feel like i've robbed myself of that second chance that i i went in and i didn't ha- i wasn't in the right headspace i didn't have a sheet of paper with notes i had a web yeah. i had a website open that i could click on to see what i was supposed to write down
1: but again this is a lesson that we only learn after the fact But, and as we go further in some of these, these, um, well, they're not challenges, but some of these future episodes, because we're not pretending to be experts, we're we're wanting to give like just objective thoughts about this, you know, we'll give you some of the behind the scenes stuff that we know, but we, we want to have these pure experiences. And so learning this lesson, I think is important for the both of us. When we do some of these older games, we, we will have to readjust how we think, because, when looking, especially because both of us were alive at this time, certain games do live and die in their time. I don't necessarily think Miss does, but the kind of game it is, is so particular that until you understand that, you can't properly play or enjoy it. And I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I was not in the right headspace. I mean, I was kind of goofing around. I was watching wrestling, drinking a beer. I, I, obviously, I was. I was thinking I was playing, you know, Diablo or something.
0: Well, it, you and know. That's, and that's the thing because I, I I do think about other point and click adventure games and typically when it comes to point and click adventure games, you go to a place, you have to solve a puzzle. You can't go to, you can't solve the puzzle, so you walk around to another accessible area and pick up an item that will help you solve the puzzle. Right. And that is kind of what's going on here except Not really. The only items you really pick up are are book pages and matches. And you can only ever hold one at a time. So if you find a book page, you have to go all the way back to the library to put it in. And it's it's a a really strange experience to then have to go back and redo the puzzles to get to the other book page. If you want to get that one too for the red book and the blue book. And again, that's one of those things where I just I don't have an appreciation for that. And I just don't know how well that would hold up for somebody sitting down to play this game for the first time today. Because I think that, again, it's been 20 some odd years almost. I think that there are games that... that I know they didn't want to... They didn't want to pull you out of the experience. But I think that our... In 2020, as we sit down and talk about this... Our uh, uh, suspension of disbelief is enough that mm-hmm. if there's an inventory screen, it's not really gonna take us out of the game that much. If there's a journal screen that logs notes that we've made to ourselves based on what we've what we've read in right. game, in quotes, it's not really gonna take us out of of the game that much. Right.
1: But to their credit, I mean, we're saying this 26 years later. I would be curious to to honestly maybe play Mist 4 to see what changes they made to the game. I've read nothing about Mist 4. Same. But I I would be very curious to see if what what things they kept and what things they got rid of when making these sequels. And because I mean I agree with you. I mean, you know, I just I think one of the things about playing this game it's not just headspace, but you really have to really enjoy puzzles, because there's th- there's a type of it's for a studious person, I think. <laughs> like it, like studious people, because the people that I know have that have loved Mist were all studious people, and you know if you enjoy taking notes and and are very detail oriented, this game rewards you for that. Like it, whereas if you're like me and I'm just kind of blindly clicking things and I see a number and then I go off and then I see something that needs a number. Oh, now I have to go back and go find out what that number was and what it meant. (laughs) Whereas if I have a pen and pad and I'm paying attention to these details and I'm really, you know, giving the experience it's due, I'm not going to have that issue. You know, uh, you and I are both very exploratory gamers. We love to, like, look at every nook and cranny before we even need to. And then we'll come back to it.
0: The problem is I'm just annoyed in this when I know, okay, well, I should have written that down. So now I have to go all the way back here to get this thing again. the, The people that I knew that that got into this game a lot were the people that would read and play a tabletop game that had a four inch thick rule book that they knew yes. backwards and forwards because they'd read it a hundred times or they, or, or they didn't play risk. They played access and allies. They, <laughs>
1: they played- right. And, and I, and I know that drew is not, but
0: we are definitely not making fun of the
1: kind of person that enjoy this game. It's just these were the people that we knew that loved this game. And a lot of people love this game. This is, this was, and this is why I think it was kind of considered, the first major casual game is this was a game. A lot of people who don't typically play video games would
0: get, which is, which is like, again, it, it, it comes back down to the not casual game. Cause I don't know that that's really the correct. Just, I, 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 it's funny
1: that you say that because when I was reading about that, like I understood what they meant, but there was nothing casual about this
0: game. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not, you know, and, and again, I think it's very interesting that the game that unseated this as the number one PC game was The Sims, because that is another Which, game that is not a what what I mean, in, in the gaming culture, we have the idea of core games. You know, your first person shooters, your third person action RPGs and all of this and, and games that appeal to, quote, gamers. And this is a game that is has so much more of a broader Scope and I think that what's weird about this for me as a hashtag gamer in 2020 is that this doesn't feel like it's for me. It doesn't, it doesn't, I have different expectations for what this experience should feel like versus what it is, where someone who doesn't have that experience won't do that.
1: Yeah. Uh, first of all, never say you're, that you're a hashtag gamer ever again. <laughs> no. uh, that was horrible. Yep, it sounded sure weird was. coming out of your mouth. Yeah, uh, I'm sure
0: it was uncomfortable saying it. It's pound uh, sign gamer. I'm pound sign gamer.
1: <laughs> I would have rather you've said
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> I also, yeah,
1: um, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that this this game not, is not necessarily for me because I think aspects of it are, but it is definitely something that I have to be in the right space to be in. And, and, but also, it, it, even if it's not for me, it's totally okay because this game excels in what it wants to be. As a puzzle game, it is incredible. It's engrossing. It rewards you, honestly, in a way that, this is going to sound weird, but in, in a way that Dark Souls does. Dark Souls rewards you with lore and stuff when you get weapons and you do all this small things and you read about everything you pick up. This game does something very similar without the uh, beating you to death. Hmm. Aspect of it, but th- there is a a rich lore within Mist that I know people got really really into, and I am kind of bummed out that I only scratched the surface about it because I'm a I'm a sucker for lore. I mean, I go I go I go waist deep into Destiny lore and stupid names where. When I hear something about a new expansion, I'm like, "Oh man, I was so excited about that three years ago (laughs) because of this piece of lore that I read off of, you know, a piece of paper stuck on Cade's foot." Um, But this this game is very similar in that it's it's very rich in its lore, and I think as a puzzle game, and and I think what it does, and I think what I failed to do in all earnestness is this game demands that you take puzzle games completely seriously. Because there's a lot of puzzle games where you can like do, do 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 kind of goof around. There's no goofing around as far as my experience goes in Myst.
0: I don't know. Because like I said, it's, it's, it's less to me that the puzzles are... I, don't know, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself at this point. It's less that the puzzles are overtly difficult. Right. It's, it's more that just... It but it takes, demands that
1: you everything seriously so that hey if you took that note you're gonna know exactly what that is it's not that the puzzle's hard yeah it just demands you pay attention it's, it's the which effort. is what my students always told me in school <laughs> <laughs> so you know what you were right miss
0: terry i didn't pay <laughs> attention then and i didn't pay attention now <laughs> so um i i feel like we've we've kind of rounded about to how our second chances have been with mist and I don't yeah. feel like it's Mist's fault. I feel like it's our fault. <laughs>
1: no. And I think I think this, honestly, I really do think this is an excellent game. And I really look forward to the day that I find myself in the right space to really dive into this entire series. Like I said, I'm really curious to check in on some of the later entries. But, I mean, and as we said, like, this game was massively, massively popular. One of my favorite little stories uh, that uh, when I was reading the wiki about this in its legacy. Um, not that the Miller Brothers appeared in a Gap ad, not that Myst appears in the episode of, of The Simpsons, but for whatever reason when they were making the Born Conspiracy video game Matt Damon insisted that it be a puzzle game like Mist, And he refused to lend his voice talent to the game when it was turned into a shooter instead.
0: Was there a Born Identity video game or
1: more conspiracy rather um it was for the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 in 2008 um wow but yes he refused to, to lend his voice because he wanted a puzzle exploration game like mist and you know what props one props for you Matt Damon for you know sticking to your guns there but also that's it that is a really cool idea. I was like, oh man, I would love something that involves spies and like secret organizations and all this stuff as a puzzle game. That that is right up my alley. I would probably be more inclined to take <laughs> notes then. I,
0: I I would honestly like to play uh, the game Pissed, P Y S T. Which uh, was I did the, play that game. Which is the parody of the game starring John Goodman. Uh <laughs> which <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I feel like I saw an article about uh, about that game earlier this year, where some they had found the video files and someone was trying to remaster it uh, to re-release it. Uh, I think I remember seeing that too. And I, I you know what? I hope they do. Yeah. Um, uh, so beyond, I, I yeah, beyond that. Uh, so. There have been moves to make mist or take mist out of video games and put them into film and television. Uh, most back in 2015, Hulu obtained the rights to Mist. Uh, that Which would have would have been cool. That would have ex- uh, explored the origins of the island. Uh, that was actually going to be a legendary television production. But then in 2019, Village Roadshow, Roadshow Pictures claimed that they had bought the rights, meaning the legendary pictures probably fell through. But that was just last year, so it's possible that something might still be uh, going on with that.
1: Yeah, and the person who's supposed to adapt it is the guy who did um, Terminator, the, the Sarah Chronicle, uh, Connor Chronicles, uh, did a lot of Fringe, as well as a consistent writer on Andromeda. So. I mean, I think that that's probably the right space to to be in. Uh, His screenplay uh, credits are a little more all over the place. Uh, X-Men First Class, Thor, and Agent Cody Banks.
0: Well, Agent Cody Banks did have that whole thing where you needed to push the right buttons in order to turn the generators on the island wrong. I, I, I failed, have no problem with a- Agent Cody Banks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I am glad that we revisited this. And honestly, it was more of a, one, a lesson in humility uh, for, for how smart I thought I was to how smart I am. Um, but also... It's not a matter of intelligence. A, it's a matter of preparation. Well, yes. But I also <laughs> think that it did it did help me inform on how I wanted to approach uh certain certain challenges that we do in the future that are of the same type, especially of older games in in terms of like you know what kind of uh space I need to be in to to really get the, the proper experience. Um but that that is not gonna be an issue for, for our July month.
0: Yes. <laughs> second chances are complete and as we move into next month and we pick another challenge or pick another topic, I keep wanting to say challenge. <laughs> it's what we get
1: I, I've already day. done it twice this episode. It's what
0: we get for doing a podcast for almost a decade. Uh, we are our next uh, theme is going to be franchise follies. Yeah.
1: Kind of the opposite of second
0: chances. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, Drew, Drew
1: brought this one up because I thought it and I thought it was a great idea it's, it's what we've forgotten is it's summer blockbuster time we <laughs> even though I've complained every year
0: about it being bloated there have been no summer blockbusters this year <laughs> <laughs> so what, what we decided to do is to go back and look at some fun classic movies and their terrible terrible sequels uh, yes
1: uh, I think all of these were summer blockbusters and most of them we've saved one for last because it's fun uh never saw a third entry. The the second movie pretty much killed the franchise for one reason or another. And I I'm I am really excited. We've we floated some some pretty good gems, but I, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with the the four that we've we've come up with.
0: Yeah. So um, so next you tell week us what, tell us what we're doing next week. Yeah. Next week we're gonna watch two films. Caddyshack and Caddyshack 2. And we're going to be focusing on really what happened between these two movies to a little bit of how did this get made and how, yes. And what happened we're, and in the aftermath.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we will give you elevator pitches, but we're not going to be as plot focused as we are sometimes when we do certain reviews or like last week or even the ghost in the shell stuff. I mean, one, most of you have probably seen the first Caddyshack, so we're going to give you the the, the barest of, of cliff notes. And the same with the Caddyshack 2. We're going to talk about things that we we liked or disliked about them in context and what happened. But I'm also really excited to, to do this because I haven't seen Caddyshack in a very, very long time. And I don't think I ever saw the second one.
0: I have never seen Caddyshack two. I've seen Caddyshack one, of course, but it's been a long enough period of time that I'm honestly interested to see how well. It, I think the last time how well it holds I, up at all.
1: I find myself saying this a lot when I haven't seen a movie. I think the last time I saw this movie was on VHS.
0: <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that in the, in the next few weeks. Uh, so, with that said, yeah. thank you for tuning in and clicking on our book to hear our garbled nonsense. Uh, talking about mist, uh, and, and if you have any
1: mist likes that you're really into or some point-and-click adventure games that we should check out, I would love to to get some suggestions because it is, it is a genre that I grew up loving a lot. I played a lot of the Sierra games, played Phantasmagoria. I, I would love to get some, some more suggestions and maybe build myself back up before trying mist again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so with that said, reach out to us. The nerd at gmail.com is our email address. You can find us at facebook.com slash the nerd and Twitter at the more you nerd. And until then we will end the show as we always do with a rousing. Nerd.
1: Out. Out.